um, the uh, issues of uh, knowledge and understanding. Uh, we had dealt with uh, some things about uh, being separate uh, from the people of the land and unto the law of the Lord. And um, then we had kind of dealt with a, a, a little bit in two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago on Sunday, uh, the issue of applying God's truth. And I want to go back through a couple of those and make a statement or two on the last several that we're going to look at. Uh, four principles for applying God's truth. And uh, we want to look at those very briefly, and then we'll be done with chapter number 10. But uh, look with me, if you will. We're going to begin in, uh, we mentioned already in verses uh, 1 through 14, that uh, the renewal of this covenant began with the leadership. And uh, the applying of God's truth ought always begin with a sense of the fact that it needs to rise and fall on leadership. And uh, we, we, whether we like to believe it or not, uh, we influence someone, uh, whether it be our children, whether it be our friends, our neighbors, sometimes our relatives. People look up to us. And when we apply God's truth uh, and, and put it into practice in our lives, we become uh, a candlestick for them. We become a light of God's truth and a light of God's Word. We are uh, in a leadership position, in a leadership role. And so as we get to down verse number 14, the Bible talks about the chief of the people uh, were involved in this. So it begins with leadership. And then a couple of weeks ago, we dealt with the issue that uh, this requires, in order to apply God's truth, it requires us to have uh, a level of personal Holiness, personal holiness. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 28. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, as, as we get to the last part of it, it says, All they that had separated themselves from the people of the lands and to the law of, their, uh, of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone having knowledge and having understanding. And so, uh, in order for us to apply God's truth to our lives, there, there is a requirement of personal holiness, a, a desire for us to... Um, uh, live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And uh, we spent a little bit of time last Sunday afternoon. We, we launched um, kind of a preliminary, a high-level overview uh, on the subject of separation. Uh, we, we live in a time where uh, you're in one of two types of camps. Either you're in a church that has no separation or you're in a church that oftentimes has separation that is beyond what Scripture even demands, and it gets uh, almost too much of, of a thing. And the truth is, there does require biblical separation. If we're going to err, it helps us to err to the side of caution. I'd rather be too separated than not separated enough. Uh, but we've got to be so careful about this thing of separation that we do it biblically that we follow after the, the biblical uh, aspects of it. And we talked last week a little bit about the subject uh, on uh, the underlying thing being the fact that we are separated for one purpose, and it is our underlying goal in the whole purpose of separation, and that is because God is holy. Uh, that's our reason for doing it. Uh, we want to do it to please Him. We want to do it to be obedient to Him because He is holy. And where we get into trouble with this thing of personal holiness is when we begin to try to be holy uh, to impress others or to pat ourselves on the back and hold ourselves up in front of other people and say, well, we're a better Christian than you because we have these standards. Can I tell you, the only reason we ought to be separated, the only motivating factor we ought to have as Christians is because God is holy and we want to please Him. 
That, that is our underlying goal. The, we, we think too often too much of what other people think of us. And uh, I, want us to, I want us to understand that from Scripture, uh, my, my biggest concern is not what men think of me. My biggest concern is what does God think of me. Uh, am I holy for the right reason? Have I, have I practiced biblical separation for the right reason? Am I doing it so I'm accepted among the circles of people that I identify with? Um, there, there are times uh, that I've watched people that I'm friends with, pastors that I'm friends with, uh, shun or, or kind of break fellowship with another pastor simply because he didn't have the same standard that they had. Now, it wasn't an issue of doctrine. It was an issue of a standard, uh, the issue of where they drew the line on separation. And I understand that you can be wrong on some issues, and I understand that issue, but oftentimes we, we make decisions like that based on are they in agreement with my opinion of this or my thought of this. That should never be our purpose behind biblical separation. Our purpose behind biblical separation ought to be because I want to please God. I only want to make sure that when I stand before Him, He says, well done. my good." Not because I'm worried about what another pastor friend thinks or what another church may say of me. And it ought to be true of all of us that we seek to be uh, uh, following the truth of God's Word for the purpose of personal holiness, simply to please God. And that ought to be our, our, our underlying premise in the area of separation. And then, if you will, look in uh, verse number 30. The Bible says, and, uh, and this is about where we uh, knocked off or we ended a couple weeks ago. Uh, it says, verse, let's back up to verse 29. They clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe to do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and His judgments and His statutes, and that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters to our sons. Can I tell you this, that when it comes to applying God's truth, not only does it be, need to begin with the leadership, those that are in leadership position, not only does it require us to have and practice personal uh, holiness in our own lives, but we need to make sure that we uh, begin in our home with applying the truth of God's Word. We spent a little bit of time uh, mentioning this last week. Uh, in Deuteronomy, it talks about how often we should uh, be teaching and showing and requiring these truths of our children. And it says when we walk by the way, when we lie down, when we rise up, when we stay in, when we go out everywhere, everywhere and everything that we do, we need to be doing this for the purpose of beginning in the whole. And then he says in verse number 31, And if the people of the land bring ware or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that he, uh, we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day, and that we would leave the seventh year in the extraction uh, of every debt. And can I tell you this, that they decided that they were going to continue in this covenant, uh, and they were going to, didn't matter what, what day of the week it was, or uh, it didn't matter what uh, circumstances were, they were going to follow the truth of God's Word because it was part of the covenant. And they were going to continue in this. They were, they were saying, Lord, this is our commitment back to You, that when these things happen, we won't participate in them. If they're going to try to sell on the Sabbath... Uh, we're not going to buy on the Sabbath. Now, uh, again, this is under Old Testament law where God had told them to keep the Sabbath day holy and they weren't to do any work and labor on those days. And uh, so they were recommitting to that. And it gives us a principle that when it comes to applying the truth of God's Word, 
that it not become uh, based on our circumstances. We live in a day uh, where our society uh, has their morals based on uh, uh, circumstances. There's times where they think something is right, but there's a circumstance where it may not be right. Or there's times where this might be wrong, but there are circumstances where it might not be wrong. Can I tell you this? When it comes to applying God's truth, right is always going to be right, and wrong is always going to be wrong. And we need to make sure that we are consistent to continue in the truth of God's Word. Uh, Not just to apply it uh, by circumstances. Uh, I, I, I oftentimes hear... Uh, people when and it's it's human nature, I guess, to blame our faults and our failures on something that is out of our control. Have you ever noticed that? That I couldn't help it. And uh, people that say, "Well, uh, it's the old flesh." Well, yeah, it is. Well, the devil made me do it. Well, maybe he did, but that doesn't give us an excuse for it. And uh, we've got to continue in these things. We've got to be faithful in these things. We've got to purpose in our heart that I'm either going to apply the truth of God's Word in all things, or I don't apply it really in anything. I'm going to be consistent in these things. And um, it's easy. This is one of those concepts that is easy to know spiritually. It's very hard to practice. Have you ever noticed that? You stop for a minute and think through some of the things that intellectually we know to be true according to God's Word. And then if we're honest with ourselves and we stop for a moment and look inwardly, how often we violate that. In knowledge, we're, we're firm. Oh, amen, Pastor. I'm going to be purposed in my heart. And then we find maybe I wasn't as purposed as I thought I was. There, there's, there's, a, there's a need for us to not only intellectually make the decision, but as Paul said, he brought his body into captivity. He brought his thoughts into captivity. To put down the flesh, to put down the old man, to find a way. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we get the flesh to not have as much control over us? How do, we, how do we put that down? How do we keep that from overwhelming us? And I think the only thing I know to tell us is this, that we walk in the Spirit. The Bible teaches in through the New Testament uh, over and over again, since we are no longer under the law, we're, we're in, the, in the period of grace, It doesn't mean that we just live carte blanche now. The new principle is that I'm not under the law. I'm under walking in the Spirit now. I follow His leading, His guiding in my life. And uh, so so how do I do that? How do I I put down the flesh? Well, I walk in the Spirit. Well, how do I walk in the Spirit? Well, Ephesians tells us about that. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord, and giving thanks always in all things. And then we go over to the book of Colossians, and we find, okay, how do I, how do I be filled with the Spirit? How do I, how do I put this flesh nature down? How do I walk in the Spirit daily? Well, Paul tells the Colossians the same thing, except in this case he words it a little bit differently. He says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom." How do I put my flesh down? I saturate my life with this book. You ever notice how hard it is to sin when you're quoting or reading Scripture? You ever notice that, that thing that we have we struggle with, maybe that besetting sin or that weight that seems to always get a hold of us, that old flesh nature rears its head up and we just seem to struggle with it? You ever, you ever struggle with it when you're quoting Scripture or reading Scripture? 
the greater the hold sin has on us, the more time we ought to spend in God's Word. The more time we ought to spend studying it. more time we ought to spend reading it. Listening to it. If, if you get tired, if you're like I am, I was talking to somebody the other day. If you're like I am, oftentimes when I'm reading, uh, I'll be reading down and my brain is, is oftentimes will lose its focus. I don't know if any of you are like this or not, but there's times I'll be reading and I'll literally, I'll be looking at every word, reading the sentences, but a thought will happen while I'm reading and my mind will take off on another thought while I'm reading. And I'll get two or three verses down I'll be like, what did I just read? You've got to stop and go back. Read it again. Why? Because we want to make sure that if we're going to be consistent in this truth, that we don't just know it up here, but we, we put the flesh down. That thing that's going to try to drag us away from doing what we know up here to do. What maybe even we've sat in a pew and bowed our heads and made a decision to do. We've got to, we've got to bring that into captivity. We've got to arrest it. We've got to stop that flesh nature and be able to walk in the Spirit. The only way I know to tell you to do that, according to what Paul said to the Colossians, is that we saturate ourselves, that we let the Word of God dwell in us richly with all wisdom. If I'm going to apply God's truth to my life, then I can't read it one time in Scripture, make a decision, and then dust my hands off and go out here and expect to live it. I've got to consistently be reinforcing it with God's Word. And so these folks, they made a decision. They vowed to God and they said, we're not going to allow our daughters to get involved in this or our children. We're not going to uh, buy and sell. If anybody tries to buy or sell and sell, we're going to keep the law that you've told us to do. And they go down through. In fact, if you take and read down through um, about oh, the next eight or ten verses there, it's all about the reiterating of the covenant and their commitment to God to say, Lord, here's what we're going to continue to do. And again, these are people, if you think of the whole chapter 10 as a whole, you've got the leaders, you've got uh, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the porters, the Nethanims. You've got all of these folks and the rest of the people. They're all coming together and they're saying, Lord, this, this covenant that we walked away from, this one that we have not been keeping, we want to, we want to put it in writing. We want to say, Lord, we're going to keep this once again. We're going to purpose in our hearts to keep this once again. I think there's a principle you learn there. And that is when we do fall away from the things of the Lord, when we do backslide, when we do not walk in the Spirit the way that we should, it's not enough for us to simply recognize it and say, well, might as well give up. I can't succeed in it. No. Just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and recommit to the Lord. Say, Lord, I, I haven't done a good job of it, but I'm going to from this day forward. I'm going to do a, uh, redouble my efforts. I'm going to do it again. And that's what they're doing. Now, if we get over to the last part of this, uh, let's go down to verse number... Um, let's go down to verse number 38, I guess, will be fine. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with uh, the Levites. When the Levites take tithes, and the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes unto the house of our God, to the chambers, into the treasure house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn and of the new wine and of the oil unto the chambers, where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers. And we will not... Forsake the house of our God. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men and willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. And so we find that these people are making these commitments to God. And they get to the end of it. And they say at the very end of this, 
and we will not forsake the house of our God. They're saying we're going to reiterate, not only are we going to live the way that we should, but we're going to reconsecrate ourselves that we are not going to forsake this again. It's not going to happen. And they put their names to it. They put it in writing. And they say we are going to recommit our side of the covenant back to God. It's amazing to me how oftentimes we make uh, decisions, commitments to the Lord. I remember as a young person, teenager, oftentimes coming to the altar, oftentimes coming to the altar in a a preaching service or a... um, uh, maybe a youth rally that we were having. And God would have stirred my heart in that meeting. I mean, there's no doubt He did. And I would make the commitment. I would make the, the, the Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that I do this in my life. And that's, that's the, I don't want to call it the easy part because a lot of people struggle in making that decision, but it's the easier of the two parts. The second part is, once I stand up from that commitment and that time of praying, I've now got to go outside here and I've got to live it. I've got to put it into practice. Principles of applying God's truth. It needs to begin with leadership. It needs to uh, be based on personal holiness. We can't uh, continue to say, Lord, I'm going to follow Your Word and then be living in sin. Um, and then it needs to begin in the home. It needs to be part of something we do in the home. And then the, third, the fourth thing that I was going to share with you today uh, was in verse 31, and that is that we continue in it. That we continue in it. Uh, not just make the commitment, but to continue to follow in it. And that's going to take a little bit of, of bringing our hearts and our thoughts and our bodies, our wills, if you will, into subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. And saying, Lord, not only do I want to make this commitment to you, but I will not forsake this. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to live it. I'm going to take heed to it. I'm recommitting these things to you. And uh, so as we get to chapter number 10, we finish it up. The people have had a time of rejoicing in chapter 8, that God is doing work in their lives. In chapter 9, they are mortified and broken over their sin. And in chapter number 10, they say, Lord, we will follow you. I'm reminded of the three men that were mentioned in the book of Luke that said, Lord, we will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And uh, yet they didn't. They walked away or they had some other excuse And may God help us. As much as we don't think we're like that, we do have that tendency, don't we? We're so willing. Paul said it this way, the spirit is willing, the flesh, it's weak. It struggles. So I've got to to find some way to conquer the, the, the desires of the flesh. The only way I know to tell you to do that is what the Bible says, and that is by putting the Word of God in our hearts, saturating ourselves with it, letting it abide in us, in fullness and in richness, that we take heed to it, that we memorize it, that we study it. And so I hope that will be helpful to you. We'll move on to chapter number 11 next week, and we'll go ahead and stand and be dismissed and have our service in just a few moments. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word, how it instructs and guides us. And Father, I do pray that You would bless uh, the time that we spend around it today as we uh, spend a few moments rejoicing in Your goodness to us throughout this year. And Lord, the... Certainly this time of year, we give an extra special uh, time of thanksgiving. But the truth is, Father, we ought always to be grateful and to be thanking You regularly for the things that You've done in our lives. For us uh, being able to even have Your Word in our hands for You to work in our lives and to give us Your Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us. 
I pray that you would help us at this holiday season as we've taken some time to uh, set aside and say we want to give thanks. That it not just be about the meal and the family and the friends that we'll gather around, but that we will truly put our hearts and our focus upon you and your goodness to us. And that the thanksgiving that we give uh, be not just towards one another, but that we would give thanks to you. For there's no doubt that every good thing, every good thing that comes to us is because of what you've allowed to come to our lives. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We pray that you'll bless the service to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.